Hello and welcome. Uh, my name is Steve Pugh and welcome if you've never seen this before or heard this before. This is the Growth Strategy podcast and live stream and what I try to do every week is speak to interesting people who I believe can help your business or career and today is no exception. So the chap that you can see is called James and what we're going to what we're going to do over the next kind of 30 or 40 minutes is have a really interesting chat to do with his backstory, his business, what it does, how it works with the uh, the aim to really try and add as much value as we can uh, to yourselves. So James, would you like to just say hello and introduce yourself? Hello. So my name's James Allen. I'm the CEO of my own company called Chronic Insights that I started a couple of years ago. I live in Northumberland with my partner. Um I have a, a health condition called ankylosing spondylitis, which we'll talk about later because it wraps into my, my whole business backstory. Yeah. Um, I like to play the piano. I've just started to learn to play the guitar, you know, look, picking up all sorts of hobbies during lockdown and, and what have you keep me, keep me sane. Um, I used to be an IT consultant um, before I was doing this. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's sort of me in a nutshell. That's it. We're finished. Done. <laughs> I must say, so we met. It was at Tusk Park, I believe. Yeah, um, that's right. So when I first kind of set up on my own, I wanted to kind of get more involved in the tech sector. Didn't necessarily know where to start, and someone told me about this thing called Founders Friday, which Paul Lancaster does. Uh, due to that, went to a place called Tusk Park in Newcastle, which I know you know, but the people at home might not know. Um, and basically it's almost like a tech hub where you can essentially rent a desk, but there's a really good kind of community there. And it was back in, ironically, because today, I don't know, Thursday's lockdown two, the day before lockdown one happened, I uh, helped host a social media video event, which you attended. Yes. Um, I had forgotten it was the day before lockdown. Yeah, I didn't right. because nobody came. <laughs> Oh, yes, that's right. But no, but, but what was quite well, funny... Well, I mean, actually, quite a few people came. Uh, I remember having a great time. Yeah. And, you know, you taught me on that workshop all about um, how to shoot video, lighting. You know, this is why I've got this nice setup Aww. at home that I've been, uh, been playing honestly, around with. I was admiring. Most people don't notice the, how nerdy lighting or how difficult it can be. But yours is spot on. And you're also shooting on a Canon M50, which I believe... That's Which right. Yeah. I was yeah. in Starbucks when I recommended that to you. That but, was another recommendation, yeah. but it does, it makes a big difference. But it anyway. Does, um, and the, and the, we were talking um, about the audio as well. I, I, the audios uh, I find is, is just really important when, um, you know, when you, you're listening mm -hmm. uh, to, to videos and to podcasts, if the, if the audio is a bit sort of poor, poor quality and scratchy, it's, it's it's not nice, is it? It's, so, it's it's. I would prefer to have bad picture quality and good audio than vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah. It's when, ironically, that when you edit and do this every week, you visually you you can tell if there's something wrong or not, so you can fix it before it happens. With audio, obviously, you inherently record and go through the process, and it's after the fact. So it, it's really kind of worth uh, putting your time into. But anyway, if we kind of jump into the interview, because basically I, I do think that you've got a really good kind of story to tell. And then likewise, I purposely always wanted to speak to what I class as real people that run real businesses, that we all see the same people on the front of the Northeast Times or the paper or whatever. That Yeah, they're great businesses and they run 50 million pound empires. But I think it's 90% of the Northeast economy is sub 10 million. And I'd say almost a high percentage of that is micro businesses, small businesses. 
So almost as my kind of niche, it's those kind of people I want to share their stories because there's a lot of people who might be looking to start their own business that actually it's you and me that they can really learn from that the chap that runs Sage, it, it's not quite as relevant. Hopefully one day I might speak to him as well, but that's really, I'm, you know, I'm always keen to kind of ask people about them, if that makes sense. So yeah. were you, are you born and raised in the Northeast? Well, I was born in Cambridge, but my my parents moved up to the northeast when I was one year old. So okay. I don't I don't remember, you know, being a southerner at all. I, I consider myself a, a northerner for sure. I, I grew up in Washington okay. um, and uh, went to school in Newcastle. Um, yeah, I've lived here all my life. I, I now live um, in Northumberland, a little town called Cramlington, just north I know of Cramlington. Newcastle. Ah, very good. Um, yeah, it's a great place to live, great place to work. Uh, my brother moved down to London. He he works there for a, a media company, and okay. I occasionally go down there to visit. And I just I can't imagine living in London. <laughs> it's just it's way too way too much for me. Way too busy. Way too much. Uh, just everything really. But so just I, to, to I, kind of, I, if we go off topic, but just related to that, yeah. I think it's one of those things that actually with I think people often fall into the trap of you know, the salaries are higher, et cetera, and they chase just that. But ironically, that if you have a successful business or even if just your career, whatever, it gets to a certain point where you actually crave the the personal time, the freedom, the space, the chance to, you know, walk in the countryside, do whatever. And I think often people underestimate how valuable that really is. So it's great to just, you know, kind of hear someone talk about it. Yeah, especially especially with lockdown, you know, I've, uh, I've been discovering places around where I live that otherwise I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even realize we're there. Literally be, you know, just a few minutes walk from my house. Uh, I'm on fields. Oh, nice. Um, and I never really explored these areas before. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah, I, I spend quite a bit of time walking around there in sort of March, April, May. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, it's so good for your mental health just to, go outside and see something natural mm -hmm. you know just actually physically seeing uh, a landscape oh, um, you know fields open sky it it does something f you know mentally and physically to you i think that that i think a lot of us you know really need I went for a run this morning and until my gym closed, I'd been going to the gym, which is indoors. So I'd get up, get in the car, drive to the gym, go to the gym, which is indoors, get back in the car, come back, spend all day indoors. And this morning I went for a run outside and it was just after six o'clock. It was three degrees, I think. But the feeling of kind of the rain and the wind on your skin, it's a more visceral experience that it's a different experience. You know, it does waken you up in a way that, being in an air-conditioned gym on a treadmill just doesn't do. So uh, I empathize. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. when you were at school, and the reason I like to dig into people's backstories is actually that there might be someone that watches this that uh, resonates with your backstory. They could be based in Cramlington, etc. That kind of, it's when you go through the journey, I think both from a, a publicity point of view for yourself to get people to buy into you and your story and what you're about and that kind of thing. But actually, you know, there'll be people that resonate with you in a way that you could inspire them to do, you know, launch their own app and that kind of thing. So that's why I always ask. It's not just being nosy. Uh, but what were you like at school? I was pretty quiet at school. Um, I, you know, I, I quite enjoyed school. I, I went to a, a good school. I, I was lucky enough that my, you know, my dad was a, an eye surgeon. Um, wow. 
and he you know he so he had a, a good salary and you know i i mean i i constantly i i think pretty much every day how lucky i am to to have have had that supportive background um and a, and a stable family and a good school um so extremely extremely lucky really but you know when i was at school i you know i was one of the quiet kids i didn't say very much i was I'm always much more interested in listening than talking. Um, generally, don't like to be the center of attention. Um, but I, I had, you know, a small group of friends. Uh, you know, four or five of us, a really tight knit group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I loved my sciences. Uh, you know, chemistry, biology were my favorites, but also art. Um, I was a really little sort of mixed. You know. Mm-hmm. Mixed interests. I loved art okay. and, I, and I love my science. Well, same, because uh, even here, it's the fact that I, I I do all my own stuff, but it's because I actually enjoy doing it. I enjoy the creative side to it. And it's like we spoke on the call before we kind of came on to do different things. But almost I, I'm inherently a perfectionist as well. So be it the lighting or the sound, or even I'm, I'm creating a, a big document in Adobe InDesign at the moment. And every single line has to be exactly the right size. And this is a 200 page document. And it's just because even though nobody else will care, I care. And it's just, it's that kind of, it's the pride in your work and stuff that, you know, the very fact that you wanted to get a better camera to live stream from the fact that you want good audio, you have a very nice background. I know that you also care about a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't. So it's, I think, you know, it's nice to have that combination. Yeah. I think I share that sort of perfectionistic um aspect to me which often i think uh is you know can actually pull hold me back okay uh you know being too obsessive about minor details when um i should just be i should just be happy with you know that's good enough sometimes um but it you know it's a, it's a double-edged thing so it, it can be really a good thing i think you know to be um to be to really care about the small details mm-hmm. and want want things to be perfect, um, it's all about getting the balance right. I think. Okay, uh, so you went through school, uh, and then you started your career in IT. Is that correct? I did. Um, I, because when I was at school, I I had no idea what I wanted to do for a career. Um, I I never really knew. I remember the careers that we actually had a. Uh, a careers lesson um, sort of once a week in I think my fifth year something like that mm-hmm. and they would you know the school had this room full of all these all these information packs about different careers and they you know we basically we were just left to sort of go through them all and start thinking about what it is that we wanted to do um, I just I, I could never decide I was one of these people where just so many different careers appealed to me and I, I had no idea which one to pursue that nothing no one thing really stood out okay so I actually um when I came to university uh what did you do and where did you go I went to Newcastle okay. um and I studied psychology oh nice and the, the only reason I, I chose psychology was just it was the most interesting thing your id and your ego. I think of. It, what, I didn't really have a career in mind at that time. I, I just I had given up on the idea of deciding on a on a specific career path because I, I just I just didn't know 
Um, but when I read about psychology, I just thought that that sounds fascinating. I just wanted to do something that I knew I would be fascinated by. You know what's, is, what's interesting, and I'm always interested by this, is that with, so for me, you have different levels of subjects. You have building block subjects, you have your sciences, that for me, they lay the foundation that then you can develop that into engineering, etc. And it's how you develop different careers. Although I did mechanical engineering, I don't think I actually properly understood what psychology was and economics is the other one until probably I'd finished uni. Does that make sense? And I think almost dependent on your upbringing, what you're exposed to, what you're not exposed to, I didn't even know that things existed until I'd been exposed to it, but then it was at a later date. So I'm always interested in why people chose certain subjects. But psychology is a really interesting one. I, I, it's that and like almost the behavioral side to it. I love to know how people tick because then when you come down to even your interfaces and everything, you look to engineering, which I guess we'll touch on with the app. The more you understand about human behavior and everything around that, I think it's really valuable for business. Yeah, I, I hadn't realized even before I, I actually started studying how varied the, the topic of psychology is because we, we I mean, I studied everything from personality studies to behavior and group mentality, how humans behave in a group as opposed to when you're on your own as an individual, but also the, there's the whole real, so it ranges from, from one end philosophy we actually did philosophy, you know, think about what is the mind, what what is mm -hmm. a, a person, an individual, what, how does that emerge out of this squidgy brain that we have in our skulls? What you know, you got this this real sort of experience on the one hand, and this sort of this physical thing on the other hand, and what how does one evolve out of the other? So there, there was a lot of philosophy. But also um, science, real neuroscience. You know, how do how do the neurons work? What, how does the brain work? What are all the individual mm -hmm. components of the brain? What happens when they get damaged? Um, and then psychiatry. You know, actually looking at mental illness and and how to help people through that. Just incredibly varied. So yeah, it was it was it was fascinating. Yeah, cool. But, so my my. Um, I thought in the back of my head, I thought I would like to go into something like psychiatry mm -hmm. or counseling. Um, but I think I, you'd be a good counselor. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but it's funny yeah. that with, you know, you, I, I tend to only interview people I like, but it's when you get a vibe off them. But I think you're the type of person that people would open up to. And because you know, so much of it is listening and actually, yes, you want to help people process their own problems and help them come up with the solution but you still have to be comfortable enough to talk to them as where not everyone has that so that in itself i think is a skill um well i and i, and I think maybe it's something that i i could do in the future yeah. um but at, at the time leaving university um there was a couple of reasons i didn't pursue it one one was the it was so hard to get postgraduate training that the whole path to becoming a, a clinical psychologist, yeah. I realized it was going to be another minimum seven years yeah. after that. And, and I just, I, at that point, I just wanted to work. I, I wanted to start earning money. I needed a salary. Um, and the other reason was that I just, I personally didn't feel confident enough that I, I couldn't picture myself 
sitting down with with somebody who's older than me and mm. and has completely different experiences to me and is in real you know trouble um psychologically i, I felt like i wouldn't have the life experience okay. to to really have that confidence and, and authority and and be able to sort of guide people through really some really really difficult um situations which obviously is what psychologists and, and psychiatrists deal with every day okay um so i while i was uh, in my final year i actually did some experiments looking at people's eye movements um actually tracking what people's eyes do on a screen when they're looking at different shapes mm -hmm. and i had to learn some programming to be able to was it matlab i think i saw it in was your LinkedIn. it was matlab but because yeah. you use that with engineering, so I also used right. to use MATLAB. Right. But yeah, I chose well, was... to completely a, a, a abandon the technical sides of my skill set and just go completely <laughs> management side. But it's, uh, but I empathise. Well, I uh, yeah, I mean that was my first real experience with with real programming, and I realised that I I, I like doing it. I, I was good at it, um, and it was a real skill that was in demand. Um, so you know, I was I was trying to think what with not psychiatry than what and I sort of in a way sort of fell into that as a career um so um yeah that was my first real job after university I'd had lots of little jobs before that you know fishmonger and factory mm -hmm. worker working at Oxfam Marks and Spencers you know all these um sort of various jobs before that but my first sort of uh step on the IT career ladder was at a job, um, a job at a, a company called Datatron, who were scanning patient records okay. electronically, um, and uh, and sort of cut my teeth there. So I, I learned Java and, and how to program. Um, built a really a really good good program um, that transformed the business from an entirely paper based business to a, to a software based business. Oh, well. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun and sort of went from there. Uh, I, must, I always think it's funny about how, as you go through your career, you seem to be exposed to different things. And then if you're lucky, you actually find the way to glue them all together as you go through your career to then get to the point where you are now, where actually mm. you have all these different skills, but they're often different places. And then actually that in itself, that unique con you know, concoction is, is what makes the kind of, makes the business and makes you who you are. But I remember as a child, my uncle, who used to work in construction, told me once that he uh, he was asked to do like a secondment in their shipping department. And he had no interest in shipping, but he did it six months and he got to know everything there was to know about shipping. Fast forward 20 odd years and he became estimating director of Key Construction, so big construction firm. And they were quoting to do, I think it was a port in the Far East or whichever and basically the knowledge that he learned on the six months of comment at the start of his career was massively valuable 20 years on. Hmm. And it's those kind of things that if it's just serendipity or not or whatever, but I've almost found the same thing of just different jobs and different things have had, how it all starts to interplay and come back together. But, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, if, if, um, if I, I almost wish that I didn't get so hung up about choosing a particular career path because because mm -hmm. I, I agree I think um, it in a way it, it almost doesn't matter what what you choose because a it's not it's probably not going to be a permanent thing you know not many people stay in the same career for their whole lives mm -hmm. anymore 
I mean, my, my dad did and my granddad certainly did and, and my grandparents. Um, uh, but but today it's very common just to to chop and change jobs, careers. Um, and, and that's possible because actually you do get a lot of benefit from changing. You know, a company can benefit from having a, an employee who has experience from different industries, not just the one that you're in okay. right now. Yeah. So, sure. at what point did you get the itch to start your own business? So that that actually came about because of my health condition that I have. So I have a um, an autoimmune disease. It's called ankylosing spondylitis, and like all other autoimmune conditions, it basically means that my immune system is attacking my my body um, because it, it mistakes cells in my body as foreign things that it needs to attack and destroy. Um, in the case of ankylosing spondylitis, that means uh, attacking cells in joints. Okay. Um, so mainly uh, what's called the axial joints. So that's the spine. Mm -hmm. um, so that all the vertebrae, the, the neck, uh, shoulders, things connected to the spine as well. So the shoulders, the ribs, um, the hips, and occasionally uh, other joints as well, like my knee, mm -hmm. um, jaw, and that attacking the, the, the immune system attacking those cells means that there's inflammation, um, which causes pain and stiffness um, and fatigue as well. Mm -hmm. It's the same. So a similar mechanism starts happening as when you get the flu or, or a cold, that sort of feeling of tiredness and and you run down and you just want to go to bed because you just you feel okay. you just feel is it common bad. um it's pretty common it's um there's something like 200,000 300,000 people in the UK who okay. have AS um and it's but there are all sorts of other conditions which are very very similar sort of like rheumatoid arthritis is a very similar sort of mechanism. It's it's the immune system attacking joints in the body, but with rheumatoid arthritis, it just affects different joints. So it tends to be the the fingers, the wrists, the feet. Um, but there's you know there's there's all sorts of things like lupus and mm -hmm. MS. Um, there's uh, polymyalgia rheumatica. There's um, lupus. Um, all, all all sorts of different ones. Mm -hmm. Um, that I've I, I've come to found over over the years researching it, um, and so that's something that I've I actually have had since I was seventeen years old. I'm, okay. I'm thirty eight now, uh, so it's something that I've been dealing with for a very long time. Um, and when I it, it first got was became a problem when I was going through university. Um, initially, it my knee swelled up that's the first thing that happened when I was 17 it just it ballooned up and uh, I got a diagnosis pretty quickly um, which is quite rare in these sorts of things they're quite hard to diagnose but I, I was um, I was lucky enough to get a diagnosis um, but it, it, it sort of settled down and it and it didn't really become a problem until I was going to university the first the, the during my psychology years um, just gradually, I got more and more pain, more and more fatigue, mm -hmm. um, and it was every day. 
and it was it was constantly changing up and down some days it would be my lower back some days it would be my upper back um and it was it it actually got to a point where i i was in a lot of distress and i i just didn't know quite how to handle it or what to do um i i ended up going to see a, a counselor at newcastle university it's, it's one of the things that they they offer um, um, I think all universities, I assume, um, mm -hmm. have some sort of counselling service yeah. for students. Um, and that was the first time that I really sort of was able to explain to somebody a talk through what I've been feeling, what I've been experiencing um, to somebody who wasn't a close friend or family. It was just somebody uh, who I didn't know who was just there to listen. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, uh, I mean, I, it, I burst into tears after about two minutes of, of just talking, um, explaining what I was going through. And it, that's when I realized that there was, there was so much anxiety and, mm -hmm. and fear and frustration um, and, and sadness and all, all these emotions because I've been in in pain for so long and do you not think, really knowing what to do. I was going to say, is it, do you think it was because you didn't know what it was? Because obviously why I'm trying to go with this is almost that it's when you obviously had a condition, have a condition, that it's when you both find out about it yourself. I guess at the time, because we're pretty much the same age, um, you know, I guess the, the, with the many online like community groups or in-person community groups and how you can interact and, you know, get to meet people who are similar you know, was there any of that or? Well, uh, yeah, at the time, not not really. I mean, um, I guess I guess the internet would have still been a, a relatively small thing when I was going through that. Um, so there wouldn't have been anything like the resources there mm -hmm. are today. Um, but also it was just the fact that, um, I guess it's just, it's not something that you're ever taught how to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, the medical system is a, is a fantastic system for dealing with something that is acute and that is treatable and curable. So, you know, we've got this wonderful system where we go and go and talk to a doctor, we get diagnosed with something, you get a treatment, you, you get followed up, and then hopefully you're, you're, you're better and you're discharged. But when it's a chronic condition, it's something that isn't curable, mm -hmm. it's just manageable. And even, even when it comes to managing it, sometimes the drugs just aren't very effective and you're kind of left to manage it on your own. Okay. Um, that's, what, that's the difficult bit. That's the thing that um, there isn't a lot of help for, that the health system isn't really built to deal with that. It's very expensive mm -hmm. to deal with that um, because it requires constant uh, interaction between a patient and occupational therapist or physiotherapist or psychologist or, or whoever it is. So um, would you like to tell people about the app? Yeah. So the app that I, uh, that I actually have officially sort of launched today so it's wow it's nice remarkable timing <laughs> um it's a symptom diary app so this is something that i i realized 
was sort of missing um, was a way to record my symptoms in a way where I could I could record visually on a a three D model where my pain was. Okay. Um, so there are lots of symptom diary apps out there, and I when I I obviously have been going to see um, a rheumatologist, which is somebody who deals with the, the joints and the musculoskeletal system. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I've see, I see them a lot, but whenever I do see them, it's always, it's surprisingly hard to remember what uh, happened. Okay. Um, because, because a, it's, it, it's, I often describe it as trying to remember what the weather was like six months ago. Because that's effectively what you're asked is how 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 have you been over the past six months, and you know pain is usually something that is easy to remember because you okay. know it sticks yeah. in your head. But when it's chronic, and when it's constantly changing, mm -hmm. you know good days and bad days, you think you think back over the last six months and it just all sort of blurs together, and and I I often just don't know what to say. You so know how do I sum all of this up? It allows you to, I guess, say, you know, actually it was this part of my spine on this day. It was then it was my shoulder and actually just, you know, I guess show someone in a physical way because, you know, obviously you're a very articulate person, but not everyone is. So actually being able to zoom in and say, yes, it was there that I've got the pain is, I can imagine yeah, it's I mean, very valuable. I, I think I am good at um, talking to people, but, but even for me, um, being able to describe in words, or what I've been feeling like was difficult, but also, also I would tend to, I realized that I tended to understate a lot how yeah. much pain I was really in yeah, yeah. because, you know, I was there at, at the doctor and I kind of aware that my, my rheumatologist wants me to, to feel better. And I, and I kind of, I really like my rheumatologist. So, um, also, also it just, it took me a number of years to get comfortable with, talking about pain okay. just actually telling somebody i'm in a lot of pain uh, all the time was a really difficult thing for me to do when i was especially when i was younger um it just it's a scary thing to tell somebody because it, it kind of makes it real okay so i would often go and say you know i'm doing okay uh you know i'm managing and then i would get home and think why yeah. I'm not managing, you know, I, I'm not sure why I said that. Whereas if I have real data, yeah. like a graph okay. and a picture, which shows the pain and it, and it, how it's always there, but it's, but it's up and down a picture really is a, a it's worth a thousand words that that's what I realized. And that's why I, that's why I decided to, to make my own, um, symptom diary app. Because I, I left my IT job five years ago now, wow. and that, that was because I, it just wasn't working um, for me. Do you I, mind I, if we I, explore that a little bit? Sure. Just because it's when, at the moment, unfortunately, it's a challenging economic environment. And I think you will have a lot of people, and you do have a lot of people, who might be in a job that they've got an itch to do something else. They might not, not sure what it is. Did you go straight from that job? Because I think the business is two years old, is it? Yeah, um, I didn't go. Yeah, I didn't go straight to that. I actually went back to Newcastle University 
um, I was the, the plan was to do a PhD yep. um, and go into teaching because okay. that's another thing that I love doing is, is teaching people um, IT and, and the skills that I've learned. Um, there's just something about it. I, I love giving people knowledge and understanding. Um, and so that was the plan. I went back um, to study because uh, Newcastle University at the time were offering these studentships for people who had been in industry and wanted to come back to to join academia and, and sort of um, get PhDs. and Because I did back. exactly the same at Sheffield. So that's why I understand the process. I was just thinking about the, the journey from that to then starting the business. Yeah, so it was while I was doing my studies at Newcastle University that I actually, I probably one of the most important things was learning at university about about business skills. Ironically, <laughs> I went to academia and I learned about, I was inspired to, to enter business. Um, there was a, there was a, a group of people um, who spun out a business from Newcastle University called um, Arjuna. And okay. uh, they were talking about their journey through business. Um, you know, they had been students and and they came up with this uh, these ideas about how to manage transactions um, at scale. And they ended up selling the business, I think it was to HP, um, and, you know, made, made a lot of money. And it was just the fact that they were also at Newcastle University. So they were students just like I was. And they just decided to, you know, I think we've got an idea here. Let's 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 go for it. Okay. And they were successful. And I and I, you know, I was I I took that in and thought I could do that. You know that idea I've had about creating a symptom diary app, because none none of the ones that I found I thought were mm -hmm. very good. Huh. you know, maybe I could do that. Okay. Can I ask you about the the mechanics of how it works? Just because, and I don't mean the code, but actually just because this is a business strategy related kind of podcast and interview, is it a freemium model? Is it paid subscription? How is, or is, is it just completely free? I'm just trying to get a feel for. Yeah, so it's it's freemium. It's free to download and to try. Um, all all of the features are free except for the 3D model. The three the so the app. There's a couple of ways you can use it. You can either record your symptoms just using a, a simple simple chart interface where you're just plotting points on it on chart. Mm -hmm. um, but the I went. I, yeah, I I thought. The freemium model just seems to be the one that makes most sense at the moment. Okay. Um, you know, allowing people to try and to spend time just playing around with the app. And that then, makes sense. Yeah. And then if there's the one killer feature, it's that one. It's this one that I've created where you, you can rotate this 3D model oh, around. Nice. Yeah, so yeah. it's a, it's a, 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 I call it a 3D mannequin. Yeah. It's, this, it's a model of a person and you can rotate it to zoom in on a particular body area that that you want to record your symptom for and you can so you draw you drag your finger over the model to to say this oh, is nice. where i'm feeling pain right now um and it 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 looks great i you know when i when i got that to work i thought yeah there's this there's something about this it makes it real you know it, there's something about having an invisible illness yeah it there's 
one of the really difficult things about it is the fact that it's so difficult to communicate. Um, and I, and I, I found, I found that's, that's the thing that people seem to love when I was beta testing it and trying out different, different ideas and different versions. When I, when I created that one, people just seem to really like that. So I decided that's, that's the one that if anything, the USP. people will hopefully be willing to pay for. Because I imagine that this is usable for a lot of different conditions as well. For sure, yeah. I mean, so I, I thought, yeah. I mean, in theory, it could be used for any condition, um, and particularly ones that have a have a physical nature, but but not necessarily. So you could also record something like fatigue, mm -hmm. uh, which you know you you wouldn't use three D mannequin. You just use the chart. Um, and I, initially, I was thinking, yeah, let's you know, target everyone with a chronic condition. Um, but, you know, after learning a lot about businesses and how to start up a business. Yeah, you want your minimum addressable market. Yeah, I, I realized I needed to be niche, at least initially, and focus on what I knew. And what I knew was ankylosing spondylitis specifically. So to begin with, what I'm really doing is I, I'm marketing it and targeting people with ankylosing spondylitis is this is the app for you. Okay. Can um, I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Is it, is it just you? Obviously it's the whole premise of the, <laughs> Is it just you in the business? It is. Yeah, it well, is. That's cool. Cause me, same. Um, cause what I was going to say is that what that allows you to do because you have lower overheads than if you had a team of four people is actually create something which is more fit for purpose for your particular audience because you don't have to charge more money and therefore price yourself in the market because you don't have to cover more overheads. And, you know, I would imagine, I'm going to think out loud, is that with, would it be like a pound a month to stay uh, on the app and with the system or is it a one-off fee? I'm just trying to figure no, out. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a monthly subscription. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I decided that because a one-off... Um, yeah. It wouldn't it's work. The business case, yeah. yeah. But if you could it, get well, fifty percent of you know the people in the UK, that for your business, you could, or even if you got twenty percent, you know, etc., you could actually make a very good business from that because you've got low overheads. And then actually, from your kind of, did you do the design and app development and everything yourself? Have you kind of bootstrapped? Yeah, it? Every, everything, everything has been just me. Um, and there's a there's a few reasons for this strategy. Um, what one again is my is the nature of my condition, so I have to work around that, and it's it's obviously it's much easier to do that when it's when it is just me. Um, I mean, it's the reason I left my job um, because having to cancel meetings at the last minute, mm -hmm. and I I never know when I'm gonna have a flare up. I never know when I'm going to be just taken out of action or have a bad day. Um, and that's, that's why I, you know, I started thinking about starting up a business. It just seemed, I mean, on the one hand that, you know, you think when you think about people starting a business, you think about, you know, working 20 hours a day and, seven days a week and you know just these depends on the business and but again but that's not it depends and this is the big thing that I, I always like to talk about 
it depends if you know what the goal is that you're actually working towards. Because in some ways, for me, the goal is to work four days a month. And that's it. <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah, so- I mean, I, I realize that this isn't this just isn't true. You know, this this idea of to start up a business, you have to be, you know, working at insane hours and just be absolute total commitment. It really depends on depends on what other support you have it depends what you can afford to do what you can't afford to do it's totally time scale as well you know how, yeah, how quickly yeah. you want to get to launch yeah um, um and again i'm very fortunate that um i i you know i had worked in it um for a, a number of years before i started this so i've got a bit of savings mm-hmm. um and i you know i've got su- supportive um family around me who are able to you know support me while i I've been working on this for the past couple of years mm-hmm. um, and just eternally grateful for that. And, and I realized that not everybody will, will be able to do that. Um, so, you know, what, what works for me won't necessarily work for everyone for sure. Um, but what I found is that it's, it's allowed me to um, achieve something that I, I never thought I would have been able to achieve. You know, I, I had a, there was there, I had a really bad year one year where I, I was basically I was bedridden for about eight months um, with severe pain wow. um, and I, I could barely get from the bed to the sofa every day that was like the, the, the most active thing that I did um, and I and I seriously thought I'm not sure if I'd ever get back to work again ever you know if this continues on as it is i it, i just that's mm. it um and to look back on that on that to where i am today you know I, i'm literally launching an app today which you know i still don't know if it'll be successful or not because the, the plan for the next few months is to measure mm-hmm. and test what people think of it but, but say on that for it is that because I'm going through the same process when I'm not working for other people, I'm doing my own stuff. And actually, I've got a vision in my head of what I want to launch. And ironically, and I say this to a lot of people, as long as I'm happy that I've done the best I could as of, say, for you today or for me when I launch it, I almost, I don't care what happens next. It's whether I think and I'm proud of it and I've done my best. And actually, it's really great to speak to you today because today is your day that, you know, you've kind of took that jump. And it's, um, I imagine it feels good. See it live. Have you had your yeah, first download yeah. yet? Yeah, it's quite emotional, really. Uh, you know, when I just look back at the journey, um, and and it's and it's on the one hand, it's only just starting, really. This mm-hmm. is this is. I know that this is just the start because I I know that, um, you know, creating something like this that's successful requires constant iteration and yeah. listening to people listening to feedback i think that's changing the, your ideas the you community know, not, side to it is when it can really yeah yeah so i i'm gonna be looking to to you know social media to to promote and to make people aware of it and to connect with with people who have ankylosing spondylitis to try it and and get to know what what their lives are like, how how the app might help them, um, what what won't help them. Um, so there's a lot still to do, but 
I think for for today, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'm just happy with I've got I've I've gotten this far, and it's it's amazing. No, really. it's awesome. Um, as a seamless segue, do you mind if we talk about social media? Sure. Yeah. So, um, as we said at the start, so you came to the social media day that I held uh, with Andrew Dixon at Sauce Park back in February, I think it was, whenever it was. I lose track of the. This year is just a blur, anyway. Um, and then since you went on to bought you bought a Canon M50, which is a mirrorless camera, which I almost bought actually. I remember when we were talking about this, and you've got good audio. And actually, you've started to do. Do you have a YouTube channel? But you're doing a lot more I do, videos. Yeah, yeah. I've just started creating content again because I've been focusing just on app development mm -hmm. so far. But now I've hit this milestone of okay, there's there's a release out now. I can concentrate a little bit yeah. more on creating content. Which will you. actually go along with the app. So you can see the content in the app. Um, but it's also a vehicle to get a message out about engagement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what what I'm intending to do is do um, a mixture of interviews with, with people with Anclus and Spondylitis. Nice. Um, and also product reviews. Um, nice. I've seen them. I, I've over the years of having um, chronic pain, I, I've, I've come across all sorts of products and ideas and strategies that I think uh, have helped me enormously. So I feel like I to, I want to share those things with with the sort of chronic pain community because i YouTube think it's a great way to do that because yeah, on youtube you've got three billion people all around the world who people that have the same condition will search for it and it's trying to just that in many ways it can be your niche that you just become a voice in that that people hopefully resonate with and then over time you can build trust and just you know there's a lot of ways that you can develop and grow the business over time that likewise for me although you're my 33rd interview since lockdown one happened this for me is a 10-year game that actually i just want to grow and develop and just learn that actually i, I, I think there's real value in it so i think anyone that almost has a niche where they're because there's also quite something quite scary about when you create content or anything creative full stop is the, the fear of judgment and criticism because you put your heart and soul into something. And then ironically, I got distracted before because I have a feed to do with um, all of the streams. And I decided to, I, I broadcast on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. And just because on Twitch, I don't know if you're a gamer, but there's a lot of gamers who want to grow and start a business. So I thought, well, I'll also live stream on Twitch. And I've had someone who's obviously come across the interview just sent me a hundred million comments about what, what the hell's this mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously he's expecting to see people playing warzone but then it's funny because you with the best of intent you try and create something and there, there are going to people that want to shoot you down and it's just it's the confidence to just keep going because inherently it's the right thing to do so i always like to talk to people who are in a similar boat because actually it's not easy um but no it's a great kind of part of the business yeah i mean i i I don't know, like, because I, I feel like I am quite an introverted person generally, but when it comes to, if I have something to say, mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like I am comfortable um, talking about those things. Um, probably, probably more so now that I'm a bit older and a bit more confident. And I, and I guess just, I think when you get older, you just you kind of care less about, <laughs> 
what other people think. You know, people who don't like what you're doing, you know, that's fair enough. Yep, same. Uh, so I think there's an element of that, and but also, but also passion. Just mm-hmm. I really want to connect with other people with who have chronic pain because because I personally have, have got a lot out of it as well. Um, you know, when I listen to somebody tell their story about having pain every day and what they've gone through and the positives that they've actually got out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's really inspiring. Um, oh, cool. It's really comforting to hear those things. And I just, I, I want to do the same. I want, I want to sort of give those things back. Um, and if it, and if it, and if it, that is a vehicle to promote my app as well, then that that's a, that's a bonus for sure. Can I ask you what the dream is? If you wanted to say five, 10 years from now, because you know what the beauty of YouTube is, is that from after this call, this is going to get saved. And then in over time, I'd love to get people back on who I've already spoke to. Um, but actually, you can see the progression because it's one of the classic statements that people always, are, they overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in a decade. So pick 10 years from now, what's the dream? I guess I don't, I generally don't look that far forward. Um and maybe it's maybe that's partly um, living with with a chronic condition. Is I tend to just take one day at a time. Um, so I guess the dream is well, firstly to to have a sustainable business um, with the app or whatever the app evolves into or whatever the social media um, content. But you know what's great about that as well? It's the fact that you've kind of self-funded it this far. You don't have external pressures to monetize it and take it in a direction which you don't want to take it. So although I imagine bootstrapping it took a lot longer, it's a lot harder, you have something that you can control and you can adapt. And it's, you know, that's almost the beauty of creating the, the dream that actually often people they are oh, we'll do series a fundraise and series b and we'll do this we'll do this and then actually i was watching dragon's den on sunday and i've been seeing dragon's den in 15 years and the the comment one of the dragons made was that it was other people's money and you get far too many people that want to go into tech and start an app and all they care about is spending other people's money almost regardless of if they make it back or not and actually make it viable it's almost like that that's acceptable so i always mm. respect anyone that properly kind of does it themselves the hard way but actually you know that keeps you full control yeah i i just i think it's so important to do what feels right for you and i've always been a kind of a low risk person who if i yeah if i if i if i took a really big investment um, and actually, I, I do have uh, a convertible loan to start the business uh, from a company called Northstar. Um, okay. But it's, uh, you know, I so I, I have the option to either pay that back um, if the business is successful. If, if it isn't, it folds. Um, or I've got the option to, you know, maybe maybe they would want to convert that into equity if it does become successful. Okay. Um, and that you know they're very 
understanding um, of my situation and because they're they literally here in Newcastle yeah. and I talk to them um, I've got that comfortable relationship with them where I don't feel pressured or stressed stressed out too much um, you know it'd be nice to be able to pay them back eventually <laughs> um, but yeah I wouldn't yeah, if I wouldn't want to take out a huge amount of money in investment for for me personally, um, that just that just didn't fit with what what I wanted to do, and it, it would keep me awake at night, and it it would add actually add stress, which I know stress is a big trigger factor for for my arthritis. Um, so, yeah, I'm um, for me it was all about just. Being taking things at the pace that that suits me, um, and being comfortable with with everything, every aspect of the, of the business. Awesome. But it, I mean, I, I'm lucky in a way in that my skills were IT and programming, and I was able to actually create this app myself. But this goes back Obviously to what not... I said before: is that if you had different skills, you probably just go on and do something else. Does that make sense? I think it's almost where as an entrepreneur, sure. you you gradually piece together the jigsaw pieces that you have and think, actually, I can do that and I can do that bit and I can do that bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think- but it, I mean, so so many startup ideas now, um, an app, having an app is, is often a, a big part of it mm-hmm. or is the whole part of it. And so if you're an entrepreneur who wants to create an app um, but you don't know, you, you don't have those skills yourself. It can be a very expensive um, thing to outsource okay. or to buy in. Um, you know, I, I, I'd recommend having a, a technical co-founder, ideally, um, to join you to, to help actually actually write it. Because, um, yeah, I don't know how much investment it would have taken a lot of investment to to have had this done by somebody else if i didn't have those skills so that would involve you know getting more money in and that would involve you know all the things that that entails um but but in my case i was able to just do it all myself um and that and that's worked for me cool i am conscious it's 355 so we've been talking for a while um, one of the questions which I ask everyone, and I think this is arguably the most valuable part of the kind of interview, but actually it's a bit I enjoy the most because this is where you get real value from different people and it's got its own section on YouTube. And now in about six months time, I'll share this on a Sunday and kind of just, you know, keep things ticking over. What's the best piece of advice you've ever had? Well, I mean, there's so much advice out there. Um, you know, there's, there's all, all these all great... Good. Well. There's all these great books, classic startup books, which everybody should read. You know, the Lean Startup, Startup Manual, um, Crossing the Chasm, um, the Inno- Inno- Innovator's Dilemma. Um, definitely, you know, read all of those because there's some, ma- some amazing advice, which I, I'm really glad that I, I read, okay. um, read about. Uh, because people have gone through this thing a million times before and we we really start to know the common things that, that help startups succeed. But for me, I think the most important piece of advice that, that I ever got was really simple. 
It was it was from a, a, a chap called Johnny Gray, who actually works at Tuspark as well. Um, and I was talking to him about this business accelerator called Ignite um, mm-hmm. that I, I, was, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go on or not. And I, I ended up going on it. But I was talking to him about, should I do this? Uh, you know, you've started a business. What, what do you think? And, and the advice that he gave me was all, all you really need to do to start a business is figure, figure out what it is that you need to do today mm-hmm. to move the business forward one step. You know, what is that thing? Write, write a list. You know, it's fine to have your, your long-term goal, um, your long-term plan. These are the things I need to do. But what is it that I need to do today? What is it that I can do which will just get me one step closer to that end goal? And just do it. Yeah. And that was, you know, just really simple piece of advice. But I, that's always just stuck with me whenever I'm sort of overwhelmed or think, what am I doing? You know, starting a business and I, and I have chronic pain and fatigue. How, how does that work? Um, I always just remember, it's okay. Just get a post-it. What I actually do now every day is I get a post-it note and I just write down two or three things to do mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. And I always put the most, the hardest thing at the top. Okay. Do the hardest thing first. Um, and just do it. Almost, I have a note. Well, actually, I have several notebooks, but they're right in front of me on the desk. But I'm exactly the same. And then, likewise, when there's a lot of stuff going on, in theory, it's just get through today, get through tomorrow, and I find it kind of works. Yeah. Um, if you were to give advice to your younger self, and you can pick any age, any background, it could be the PhD student, it could be at school, whatever you you wish, what would it be? I mean, honestly, I. This is an interesting question because on the one hand, I'm not sure I would, I'm not sure I I would change anything about the journey that I've been through because that's kind of made me what I am today. You know, all the hard things that I've gone through, all of those problems and really bad situations that I've been in have kind of made, made me what I am today. If there's one thing though, it would probably be that school version of me wondering what on earth do I do <laughs> with my life? You know, what career do I choose? Um, and just just reassure him that as long as you do something that you love to do, um, then that's the best thing that you can do. You know, it'll probably work out as long as Awesome. As long as what you do is something that you love doing. And that and that's something that I'm really grateful in a way for for having my condition is that it, it forced me into doing that. It forced me to to quit the job that I had, which was, you know, it was okay. I didn't love it though. It was a salary. Okay. It forced me to think, okay, if I if I can't do that, and and if I'm gonna have chronic pain every day what is it that is going to get me out of bed in the morning and think, yes, okay, can't wait. 
can't wait to start my day because that's what I want to do. From today now, there's people around the world that can download your app and hopefully get real value from it. So from tomorrow, that you're helping improve people's lives. So when they go to the, see the doctor, whoever, they can actually describe and physically show and therefore the treatment that they will get will be better. And, you know, you've done that and you've kind of launched it, which is amazing. Um, you know, so it's, it's a brilliant kind of achievement. And again, it's just, it's nice to have the goals. And actually this might be sheer coincidence, but the video that I put up on Sunday from a previous guest called uh, Helena that I went to Sheffield University with, her advice was exactly the same as yours. So almost it's the fact that as you've gone through life and we all go through life, it's the things that you learn help you create and become the person you are today. So even though in theory you could give advice to avoid that bit, in many ways, as long as you get through it, it makes you so much stronger. So I think it's it's spot on. Yeah. Conscious we've just gone past the hour. Before we kind of wrap up, is there anything you would like to talk about or plug? Well, really just mainly the app. Um, so if you do have chronic pain or you know somebody who does, please download it, try it out. And most importantly, give me feedback on what's good, what's bad. Um, if anything doesn't work as expected, any suggestions. Um, and also follow me on Instagram that's at Chronic Insights and follow my YouTube channel, which is also called Chronic Insights. And you have Twitter or do you not use Twitter much? I'm not really using Twitter at the moment. Okay. Um, it's mainly Instagram. That's where um, I found this great community of people who have chronic conditions. Awesome. Um, you know, Instagram is a big, is big for them. No, it's born. Well, I really appreciate your time. We've had some great comments. My eyesight isn't quite good enough to read it from here. I need a bigger monitor, but anyway. But no, thank you for anyone that kind of watched. I've really enjoyed kind of catching up. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Incredible that you launched today though, so that's brilliant. Because what I genuinely can't wait for is that we can look back at this at some point and you can like re-enjoy today, if that makes sense. And I, I think there is great pride in having both the, the idea to do something and then see it all the way through to actually launch almost regardless of what happens next you've done that nobody can ever take that away from you so i would recommend um enjoy today have a nice cup of tea or whatever we can do in lockdown um we'll definitely kind of stay thank in touch and yeah thank, thank you for your time thank you all right cool james well i will click the button so i'll do the very brutal zoom boof, kick you <laughs> off but it was nice okay, to catch it's been up. a pleasure and uh, thank you so much no worries cheers james thanks bye-bye bye-bye